Game begin. From the pages of Extraversal comes an actual play podcast with a difference. Join the team at Big Punch Studios as they attempt to play and create a brand new RPG system from scratch. Listen to the show, read the comic, play along at home, and prepare to enter the Extraverse! Hello and welcome to another episode of Cuckoo's First Flight. I guess this is Cuckoo's Nights. <laughs> this is like Cuckoo's After Dark or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Despite the fact that it's 11 o'clock in the yeah. morning. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's dark in the studio though. Yeah, right it's always dark in the studio. Yeah. Very warm. <laughs> so we will try and keep this brief. Uh, but no, having just come off the back of... A big old arc. Epic ending, John. Yeah, thank Great you. work. Yeah, Great you. work. There was a sufficient number of explosions, I approve. <laughs> yeah, there was at least one rock fall. Yeah. Uh, well, I've got to say, like, you you, you all did very well. Oh, like, thanks. Uh, thanks, Pops. We somehow solved a murder by punching things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got to say, for a little while it was like, uh, certainly when you were like, oh, let's just all just leave. You know? <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, that's cool. That's a legit. And I was thinking like... Yeah, it kind of felt like what we would have done. (laughs) I think at that point we're like, nah, fuck this. (laughs) I think I'm I'm in in the span of like two arcs. I've already seen the problem, every problem that Doctor Who, the Doctor Who staff writers (laughs) ever face. Because if you have a device that can take you anywhere, yeah, oh the target, why don't you just leave? Yeah, oh things are getting bad. Let's go. (laughs) Open the door. Thank God you're here, Doctor. You know the the tables have all come alive. You know, Uh, Uh, check it out. (laughs) Bye. Well, you know, they'd be called, that the next campaign? Yeah, they'd be called like the table or yes, something like that. It would that. be called that. Yeah, it would. Yeah, yeah it would definitely. Table Mountain. You know, he'd look at the camera and go, they're everywhere. In every house, silently. You know? <laughs> Their only hope is the chairs. <laughs> if you can get on side with the chairs. <laughs> This is writing itself. Oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> Scrap my next campaign. <laughs> campaign three. <laughs> uh, well, I guess th- this is like the table talk. Mm-hmm. This is like the no press, yep. just let's, let's, I was going to say decamp. What am I trying to say? Debrief? Like, unwind, debrief. Yes. Mm-hmm. Much, yeah, unwind. Unwind. We can unwind as well, if you like. I'll get a bit Slice more comfortable. Light a candle. <laughs> <Right> <laughs> my trousers Send off. candle. We're going to need it because this room gets stuffy. I <laughs> Should we, um like, reintroduce ourselves and our characters? Just in case people are joining at this pivotal room. <laughs> in the I guess we've just been our characters this whole time, so we haven't said our, ne- our actual real names. I mean, I've mm. forgotten who I am, yeah. to be honest. I've been so deep in Capella. That sounds horrible. Oh, no. I'm so no. sorry. Spin on. Spin on. So sorry. I'm Nick, and I play Capella. I'm Ali and I play Lynette. I'm Lucy and I play Matua. And I'm John and I have one character voice and I use it to play every one. <laughs> <laughs> um, you did so well. But yeah, so the Court of Heme. Yes. Like a, its own little expansion pack which we could sell. Like, oh, sweet, can we? Maybe. I Money! Don't know. Yeah. I mean, um, I did write up quite extensive 
notes. Yes, I've been spying on them now that I'm allowed to go in that folder. Yeah, yes. there's a folder called like, do not read. <laughs> yeah. have, um, for, for, for the listeners' purpose, we have a joint jo- Dropbox, which all the Big Punch Studio stuff is stored in. And for the longest time, there was a do not read <laughs> folder. Sorry, yes, I'm away from the mic, aren't I? Yeah, let's, let's just move that microphone closer. Ooh. There we go. Yeah, yeah, make sure you knock your inhaler over as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's wonderful, yeah. Good <laughs> God. Right, okay, that'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, so there'll be ma- some spikes there. Making a note that Nick ruined the recording at 11 <laughs> minutes in. And yeah. I've just written 11 minutes. Skull Nick. and crossbones. <laughs> just have underlined Nick. Like, cool, cool, cool. Future John will know what that means. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's what you always write, isn't yeah. it? Whenever there's something to do. Oh, we've got an N, a code N again. <laughs> yeah. Um, one really weird thing is like out of everyone's out of everyone's vocal patterns or whatever, uh, whether we're recording cuckoos or a show called Hey, you are one of the strangest people to edit. Oh, it's been said before. I think you have like the most fluctuation in really? your voice out yeah. of everyone. So I go yeah. quiet and then I go loud. Is it that kind of? Yeah, I, like yeah, you go I've high, you go low. What I've recorded yeah. you before on videos. Really? You, you, yeah, you start really loud and then by the end. It's a nightmare. I'm going to focus on keeping very steady now. It's a bold okay. character direction. <laughs> but like yeah. when I'm um, cyber capella, when I'm doing like um, like a, sh- a show called Hey, I almost have like a radio voice where like I'm kind of like modulating it. So when it comes to like editing my own voices, <laughs> you're just a straight line. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a flat line. It's like someone's died. <laughs> And Rayman, he's just very like, you know, don't like that. Yeah. Don't like that. You know, that's, that's crap. Yeah. You know. He's basically like one of those little uh, like, like sound a, sample boxes. Sound board, you know, yeah. like if you get that one of Peter Griffin, it's got like four voices, four clips. And a fart. And that's it. And a fart, yeah. And that's Chris Ray. Like, yeah. He basically says one of five things every time he talks. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Like I know, you, you are, God bless you, you are all over shop. Like, you know, it's... it's I make your life interesting. It's something to be proud of. It's something to be proud of. Is Embrace it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what were we talking about? Yeah, what was I sorry. talking about when I started making Court, all that noise? Court of Heme. Yeah. Mm. Court of Heme. So kind of like... Court uh, of Heme. Yeah, yeah, you were telling people about the Do Not Read folder, the mysteries of the oh, Do Not Read right. folder. Oh, that's right. Yeah, well, that was basically it, really, is that there was a folder on our Dropbox that we were not allowed to look at because yeah. it had all the Heme stuff in. Just for future like, like information, if I see a folder that says Do Not Read... Oh, I'm but, like I'm going in <laughs> so for future then it should just write Ali please read yeah. so I'd be like, oh, be like oh, I don't want to do that taxes <laughs> yeah. so this is where you reveal that you did actually read it like day one and knew exactly where the entire no, campaign was I've actually uninstalled Dropbox on my laptop so. because she couldn't control herself yeah. <laughs> the, the urge was so great I've got to say like because um, we've we've really only done like two full campaigns indeed we have and the first one we did uh, the plague ship that was like loosey goosey. Oh, it was like, free for all. That. Yeah, just, I was so powerful in that. Just, <laughs> just making that shit up, like as as I we broke went. the floor. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was, that was awesome. But it's like um, this is an organic process, and we're like evolving rules and stuff. And it was just like there were times when I was like, I have a vague idea of what I want to happen, and like, uh, oh, this rule just doesn't work. Okay, we'll just make it up. You know, like just totally <laughs> what felt fun. Yeah, and that was kind of that kind of worked as well. Mm-hmm. It told then, a good story. But then with Court of Heme, mm. I was like, I wrote quite extensive kind of notes about like the world, uh, all these kind of key phrases like the consanguine, yeah. uh, the kith, mm. uh, the crurite, that sort of thing. I thought you'd made up the consanguine, but I was watching a documentary yesterday about first cousins marrying and they said it was what? a consanguineous relationship. So like, <gasps> Yeah. yeah. Consanguine. Oh, I never knew that. It, it, it basically just means like... Uh, same blood. Same blood. Yeah. Yeah. Genius. And there was a name for the universe, which I wrote down, 
and I've forgotten. And it's in my character notes. I can't be bothered to go grab it. But it's from like the Greek word for like, it was a Greek word like for blood or something. It was, or, or night. It's a meme like, somewhere. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Did you want to look it up? But the folder said, do not read. It did not read. I locked myself out. Yeah. <laughs> Thumbprint. Uh, um, but yeah, it's weird because then I had all these kind of like notes about how the world would work. Mm. And I have this idea that the night would be divided into phases. Yeah. And then um, I even had, I was going to write this thing about where everybody was at a certain ah. point in time. Oh, like a timetable. Yeah, because I kind of imagined it would play out more like a yeah. like a procedural. So it would be kind of like, okay, yeah. what are we going to do now? We're going to go interview this person. It started like that. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess it just all went to heck very quickly. But I, but I feel this is just like the learning experience of being a GM because yeah. it was halfway between, I've got all these notes, which is very ordered. But then there's the chaos of you never know what people of are going to do. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so I guess true. the problem is if you plan for somewhere to be somewhere, or someone to be somewhere at a certain time, and we miss that. Yeah. Is it fair for us to then arrive five minutes later and you're like, there's no one there? You know. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. Because that doesn't make for great be, gameplay. Yeah. I've actually, and also, I've actually played a video game that was entirely on that principle. Mm-hmm. It's a very weird game to play, mm. and. I, I ended up sitting and listening to like a concert for an hour and a half like everything happens in real time because <laughs> every time I left people gave me like weird looks so I'm like so am I meant to be sitting here <laughs> listening to this concert but apparently... so you were you were socially pressured yeah. into staying yeah. here by, by NPCs yes. basically okay. <laughs> This is maybe why we're just not cut out to be detectives. Yeah. Basically, like. basically, apparently, when I, I I I lost the game multiple times mm. playing. Sounds like you, <laughs> you're on a train and you lose if you get off the train before the train gets to Constantinople, uh-huh. or if somebody kills it's you. Constantinople. Yeah. <laughs> and I I ended up getting off the train like multiple times at different stops. Like sometimes just like you events go and you have to get off the train. Right. And then you lose. Oh, um, I see. And so. Apparently, what I was meant to do is like sneak out during that concert because then everybody is in that room and you know they're going to be there for like an hour and a half listening to this concert. Oh, so you go and sneak into sense. all their rooms uh, and look for stuff. But again, yeah, there was this just it's they all look this weird you. social pressure. Like, like everyone, knows everyone knows I've come into this room. So if I leave, if leave and then all their, hand, all their rooms are like rifled through. Anyway, yeah. So anyway, I, I, I played a game that was similar to that and it was odd. What was the game called? Uh, it was called. Something about a phoenix? Just it was Last Express. Last Express. Yeah, Last Express. Oh, okay. It was a, it, it's like from the 90s. It's, it's very cool. If you're into like gaming history, it's kind of a good one to have a look at if you can get it running on anything because hmm. it's all rotoscoped. So it was all acted. Oh, and then it's those. it's drawn over in like cell-shaded art oh, on top. I bet that looks good. Um, and apparently there's some really weird behind-the-scenes footage where because it was the mid-90s, in order to make it all kind of stand out so the computers could see it and get the rotoscoping done, everyone wears really weird makeup <laughs> and all the clothing is in like really high contrast. Like, oh, <laughs> so brilliant. they're all in costume but they're all in really weird colours. <laughs> <laughs> like the queen. The yeah. Bright green dress. <laughs> yeah, is that because they they kind of like impose? Yeah, project yeah. Like, make it whatever onto. we want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she always wears a green morph suit, does the queen? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, always. Yeah. And then yeah. when you see her in another outfit, that's just CGI. Yeah, in fact, the queen hasn't made a public appearance in like ten years. It's just like somebody in like they just project. Yeah, yeah. it's just uh... it's Natalie Portman. Did you know, like in um in. Phantom Menace. Mm. She's the stand-in for oh. the Queen of Naboo. It's a really shit joke. I don't know why I'm still going. I was going to say Andy she... Circus. <laughs> yeah, <or not>. he, <laughs> he plays everybody. He plays the corgis. <laughs> she was. Oh no, she Kira actually Knightley. was. She was Kira Knightley. Yeah. That's yeah. right. I'm getting it. All... The joke was really bad all round. Really, back yeah. when they were the yeah. same person. Just cut that out. Yeah, don't, don't leave Anything it that Nick says. Leave it in. I I'll, I'll cut that section out, but I'll replace it with the audio of you slamming your microphone onto the table. <laughs> That's repeatedly. better. That's yeah. great. That's, That's better. more entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you've got to leave it. You've got to leave a bit of time. 
It's a really funny anecdote, Nick. It's really. <laughs> <laughs> no, what, why am I laughing? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I guess, what are your what are your thoughts after the court of Heen? My thoughts were: was there a more um, like civilized way of going about it? Because we we caused chaos. Oh, inevitably. Um, <laughs> but none of us are very good talkers. No. Like I've got a charisma well, of one. Capella is ostensibly a good talker, I think. But I think quite often, She's also like a good puncher, though. Yeah, that's the mm. thing. I think Talk quite quite often, like stuff had already gone south before Capella could like get involved. <laughs> kind of thing. Like like I remember when we faced off against Paporo yeah. and you were just like, I think I know what he'll respond to. Stabbing. <laughs> I was like, I but just before you did that, I was like, right, I'm going to do some serious charisma rolls here. This is where I'm gonna do it. And then you were like, doink! And I was like, okay then. <laughs> so I think Capella, it's great story stuff though, because I think Capella is potentially like the most diplomatic of the three. And even then she's not like I don't think she's particularly savvy with mm. diplomacy or anything like that but neither of us have filters really do yeah we? you two no, don't have filters yeah. um in completely different ways yeah. and and capello is sort of like maybe caught between you two a lot and that's how it felt and i thought it was really cool like, like, child-minding. well no not really though either because i'm just as bad in many ways as well but both in and out of character i really feel for tim bar like, <laughs> i cannot believe that you are the best uh <laughs> the best is, he like, could find this was supposed to be like a this was initially supposed to be a trading mission like we were meant to get off the boat yes find some traders get some thingies come back on the boat yeah. should have been easy so we should have brought Aaron with us because he's the first mate he just loses limbs it's yeah. it's his job to negotiate trading so but it I, would just would have been John yeah. talking to himself <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'd have just been around efficient. do any of you guys want to weigh in nah nah we're good you keep talking Aaron I'm going to just go back to the ship and just leave you to it well I, I've got to say like, I, I think um, there are a few things like I guess ultimately if we had a good time it doesn't matter but I mm. think there's a few things that from a story perspective where I, I think I, I didn't deliver on a couple of things. And suddenly when you've got like so many things kind of playing off each other, it's kind of like, ah, it, it you know, it, it, it plays out as it plays out. But like, I don't know if I made it 100% clear what the motives uh, were, like mm-hmm. between uh, Grandfather Cafernus and Ben Oheem. Okay. Because I think at the end, like, uh, rightly so, it all, you know, it all just turned into... Just went to hell. Well, yeah. I think, not to blow my own trumpet, but I think I got quite close to you did, yeah. solving it. So yeah. there was clearly, you'd sown the seeds yeah. in there. Oh, yeah, like, when you were, when the three of you were, like, were thrashing it out, like, I was, like, trying to bite my... <laughs> like, Ali got it. Yeah. Like, like yeah. in one. Like, um... <laughs> It was really good, that. I kind of suspected that Ali might. Because oh, really? when I play you at board games, you're always like... Yeah. <laughs> You've got a very strategic mind. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I never win, though. But it you was like, do. I see how I could win, but then I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> it was like you... The, the thing was, though, I, I listened back to that episode because I was like, what did we actually like say about it? And it was very clear. Yeah, yeah you got it like exactly on the nose like you, you pinned it down but we had no evidence for that it that was the thing yeah. Yeah. It was like... I think we you and I Lucy agreed that that could be true Yeah. but mm. because we didn't have the evidence we had to lean in what we had evidence for yeah. that was yeah. what we had to go for whereas I just had a hunch yeah it, it just happened a... to be completely but it was a really good <laughs> no but this, is, but this is like the role playing you, you're quite right to say like we can't prove it no. yeah. and I think originally I kind of imagined that there would be like Almost like Poirot, like you would yeah. kind of a moment. like yeah. you'd have all these like clue one, yeah. clue two, and you'd mm. present it. One more thing, and, and again because I don't think it panned out like that, which is absolutely fine because again, it, you know, it got, life doesn't pan it, life doesn't pan out know? like that. So in this moment where it wasn't like 
everyone join me in the, in the billiards room. I'm going I'm to reveal. <laughs> Imagine what a civilized ending that would have been. It would have been great, wouldn't it? <laughs> and take him into custody. Okay. Okay. Well, that was good. Thank, that was that was Let's go yeah. home. Can I have some potions. Sure thing. Bye. <laughs> so, like, uh, in case I didn't make it clear, the idea was that um, this society, because I, I kind of made it this story because um, clearly I love weird infections. Because clearly, clearly like, yeah, all my yeah. stories have been jam. Um, but I didn't really like vampires. No. So I wanted to try and do like a different take on vampires where in this incredibly punishing world, this legitimately was the best form of society they had, mm. where the vampires weren't inherently evil. I like that. Mm. I came across definitely. And yeah, they didn't yeah. need to feed. There was no, they, just, they were just functionally immortal. Uh, and everyone kind of got along. It wasn't perfect. But then the idea is that Ben Ohim and Grandfather Cafernus hatched this plan because Ben Ohim silently wanted the kith gone. Mm-hmm. Like he was like, we'll kill all the kith and we'll take control of the spire. Yeah. And C- Grandfather Cafernus had such contempt for his own people. And his big issue was he could never be certain that he was free of, of the supreme, supreme. fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. He, he could never be certain that he'd be free of that influence. So the one thing I feel I really didn't make clear is that he wanted your ship. So he could escape into the extraverse. I mean, you, you did say that. that yeah. That was yeah. in the podcast. But again, I feel like if I'd sewed that a little better, I could... Oh, I see. The, okay. the, the fact that the yeah, kids were I... conflicted between wanting to serve their father and wanting to break free. And create yeah. their own They, they have like this, they, these two conflicting urges. Yeah. That I definitely like, came across. Yeah, that, I mean, you did, you did say that at the end. It was clear that that's what the aim was. But I, my question is, how did he know we'd turn up? Well, again, that's a that that's a thing, isn't it? That that that's a bit of like a story contrivance. Like, yeah. if there was maybe this... he put the runes on the outside of the universe to say traders are welcome. Well, again, he, <laughs> I guess all this world knew is that they had that travelers from outside had come before. before. Mm. It does kind of it's an immense coincidence that you would arrive at the point that the courts are having like this grand meeting, meeting. yeah. And that, so either like he acted on the fly or he somehow knew you were coming, or... yeah. That's not great. Or he, was, say, or he yeah. was holding out for, for that coincidence, and if it hadn't panned out, he would have done something else. Maybe he had a plan B. I think the idea was that, in my <clears> head, because of this psychic connection through the consanguine, because I have this idea that there's only one consanguine. Yeah. Like, in a yeah. weird way, the consanguine is just this one entity mm. or force which is spread it's across. Like networking across. Essentially, yeah. yeah. And I figured that if, if a kith could escape the, oh, the, the extraverse, it would sever the link. Oh. So I that I figured that was like the only freedom he could ever have. But I mean, what could that mean for him? Like he doesn't even know. But I guess like if he then was had extraversal travel, yeah, he could spread his mm. own, his own and he would know yeah. for the first yeah. time ever that he was the top yeah. man. Yeah, and he'd be the only kith in the multiverse, mm. and he could like infect worlds, and they'd all owe allegiance to him. But again, failing on my part, didn't really introduce the character of Cafernus beforehand. Mm-hmm. That was that was a bad. Because again, at the party, the party just panned out a bit differently. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted you to meet Cafernus and think he's a pretty cool guy. He's all right. He's a bit chill. Mm. And well, he did intervene when that one ran at Capella. Yeah. I mean, we got. Yeah. I mean, I. I don't want to just keep going. Oh, you did all right, John. Because because uh, at the end of the day, like you did hit most of the things you were trying to hit. You just maybe didn't hit them in the level of detail that you wanted to hit. No, them it's fine, and, uh, and I'm certainly not fishing for no. compliments or kind of like to, to excuse these things. I just feel like, because I, I, had, I had fun doing yeah. it. And, and it's a learning process. Play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, um, I think the reveal of uh, Rask yes. being Cathanus yeah. would have meant more if you'd interacted with any Rask. of the grandfathers mm. more. Yeah. Like, we, uh, I think we, we chatted about it off air and how you had 
all of the House of Syra, and they all had bandages. Yeah. And you spent a lot of time talking to Speaker Sarn, yeah. who's a pretty cool guy, mm-hmm. and it would have maybe had a bit more impact if the character of Sarn and the character of Rask had been maybe combined. Combined, yeah. Because then yeah. you'd be like, shit, our good friend yes. has been like betraying us mm. all this time. True. But then I think, you know, I think in, in, in essence, this isn't necessarily a flaw with you as a storyteller or with the game in its functionality, but more just one of those things that maybe all stories suffer from sometimes, which is the, the benefit of, you know, retro, mm-hmm. what's the word? Hindsight, that's Hindsight, it. You're looking yeah. back and go, oh, I could have done that slightly better. But the difference here was that we had, you know, we had a schedule. We had to do the next episode yeah. and you had to move the story on. I guess you can't really, rec- you can't really retcon stuff once it's no, happened in no, a live recording. No. And, mm-hmm. and of course, there's a chaotic element of not knowing what we're going to yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's the whole joy of an RPG anyway. Exactly. Like, that's the point of an RPG. You make plans and then you're players. You could argue that the reason we didn't get to know Cavernus, we didn't get to know uh, Rask, was because we as players didn't go talk to them. And in a way, you can't you can't sort of blame yourself for that because if this was the real, if that was a real world, a real place that we as real people went to, we wouldn't have discovered those things either because we didn't. So in a way, you know, it's kind of like we didn't do enough investigative <laughs> work. Yeah, you're right. Really, this is on. <laughs> Oh no, what have I done? I've got to say, there were some great, like, completely unplanned, unintentional moments that kind of, like, the three of you doing your little prison break. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, that was, that was like, don't know where that came from, but that was, With that was amazing. With Jason's big part in that. Yeah, well. Jason's, really Jason's like, starring moment. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was, that was grand. That was really fun. And um, Pete and his Pete. good friends. Yeah. Did you ever plan for Pete to no, be such Pete. a central character? No, no. <laughs> I feel Pete's sticking around, actually. Yeah, now. Like, I think I, he's I got it, really. Pete yeah. may have joined the posse. Oh, yeah. yes. So, like, every campaign, do we get a new crew member? The, the, the ship is going to be heaving <laughs> I can't in, wait. in a I little can't while. Yeah. So many people yeah. play football with. <laughs> all those refugees are stick, sticking around. No, <laughs> They've no, all got names we're kicking and personalities. The ship is really smelly at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Was That's very rude about oh. refugees. I'm not saying refugees in general. I'm talking about these specific ones. Um, Dirty Mike is one of them. They come from a world without water. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> they can't wash in they, acid. They wash in acid every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you can't smell if you don't have any skin, surely. That's true. So I guess. It's super fresh. Can't argue that. Um, was there, in terms of like uh, the rules and the game yeah. playing stuff, since our last episode, I've been having a little rewrite of mm. the source book. So mm. we had like draft zero. Now we're on like draft one, mm-hmm. uh, and um, it's a lot more concise. I feel it's a lot uh, kind of punchier, and uh, I feel it's kind of working. I do totally yeah. do. I yeah. feel there's like a lot of like tweaking and uh, like uh, balancing mm-hmm. that could be mm. done. I think we commented at the time that maybe a couple of the weapons weren't quite like the very like I think like uh, like your uh, Capella uh, Nick like your um, physical unarmed strength. End up being like higher than your weapon or something. My critical like that. unarmed and my wish gauntlets unarmed. Uh, no, sorry, my critical unarmed and my critical wish gauntlets are the same. Okay. Yeah, which that, that shouldn't, that that shouldn't seem right. No, that yeah. shouldn't, no. I feel like maybe weapons should give you modifiers rather than. That's something we've talked about before. Yeah. Yeah. Numbers. It should be these give you plus two. Well, maybe. since we have an unarmed rating now, it could be that, couldn't it? It's like your critical, if you critical roll, it's your unarmed plus whatever your weapon Well, certainly if it's, a, if it's a physical mm. weapon, yes. like, then it would make sense, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like, then your wish your strength. are like yeah. plus two. Yeah. And, that, and that modifier could change on the crit base, but it's like... Exactly. It's yeah. got the same table. as like So critical, heavy, medium and light. It's still got that table, but they're plus numbers now. Yeah, rather than just... Of, uh, yeah. Yeah. That would work. Really yeah, well. and then like like a, a gun, 
maybe does have like a fixed yeah I'm interesting yes. a gun I think would that have makes that. sense okay that's something a like point. a yeah. spear yeah uh, I guess it depends the way you use it if you're throwing it it might be different to if you're just holding it. Well, no, I think spears like or... spears are hand to hand melee weapons, so I think that would be pluses. Yeah, but if I'm if yeah. I'm throwing it, it would be like the strength of your throw. It depends on how hard I throw it and how well That's I throw true, it. That's true. Yeah. And any sort of melee is going to be pluses. Yeah. Any sort of. Well, so is it therefore anything that uses strength will always be a plus? Anything that uses dexterity, like a gun, would just be. It's got. We had the a thing similar. Is... We had a similar mechanic, I think, in the original. Yeah. When we were trying to distinguish between using strength and dex. Dex, mm. yeah. The I problem is, if you have like a pole or a sword or something, you'd use dex to fight with that effectively. Yeah. I mean, it's not a, a blanket rule, but sure. it might be quite a, a good indicator of the kind of weapon it is. I think we can take it weapon by weapon. Yeah, right? I yeah. think so. Yeah. Like, again, it was it was something that kind of bugged me when we when like when trying to write some of the original rules. The idea that like no matter how strong you are. If you're holding a gun, mm-hmm. you can't. It doesn't do more damage no. if you squeeze the trigger harder. No, but it's like. For, but I'll initially I'll combat work like that mm-hmm. where yeah yeah I'm gonna really shoot oh, you with this gun. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. like drive the bullet into you with like my finger. Yeah, I think something that would be really useful, uh, and this is specific to Capella, but it would be useful across the board just generally in the source book would be a table of weapons. Yes. Because in this campaign, I created gauntlets and I also created a shield mm. um, and we never had any numbers for the shield. So we ended up just sort of like kind of winging that a little bit. I, I, and I think um, to, to stop... No, it's a good point because I think like um, we were talking earlier about like health mm. and how at the moment you all have like eight health, but maybe it makes a bit more sense that Ratuar could have slightly more health, mm. being yes. like a big yeah. physical, yeah, like yeah. A different I, species. Yeah. When I when we, when I originally wrote the rules way back when, um, I did have your health points being determined by a random roll of the dice, and we <laughs> all happened to accidentally end up with sixteen. Oh yeah. Um, but we could try putting something back in for that. So like, by your race, you get to roll a dice, and you get like a base level and add. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah, it's weird, top, isn't it? But... Because the dice we're using these D threes yeah, have zero as an option. Yeah. So I've noticed it a lot actually. Like the degree of variation you can get is is it's a very different it's pool a, of probabilities it's than wild. just using yeah. like you can roll really well with three dice and you can roll awfully with three dice. Yeah. And there seems to be almost no middle ground sometimes. It's mad. I did. Um, but I was wondering, like, rather than in say D and D, because the beauty of D and D is that the rules are so big. Yeah. So if you go like, I want to play as uh, a birdman, you know exactly <laughs> how like, to be a birdman. How to be a birdman? How much health? How many feathers? Like, like every <laughs> yeah. everything is, is is. But I'm wondering, like, to keep it simpler, we could classify uh, humanic species or like the type of person you're playing as mm-hmm. in broad groups. Mm-hmm. So it could be like, are you playing as a small medium big oh, character okay. or are you human plus one human plus two that kind of thing because then, yeah. then it gives people flexibility where they're like well I want to I want to create my own character using my own like OC hmm. but there's no rule for you know no one's written a rule for my yeah I want to play a gnome or like my character's a robot this and, is the thing because yeah. I mean, our universe is one of billions of universes the idea is, is that if, if any of you guys listening right now to this podcast would like to play, you could potentially play as anything you want. Yeah. yeah. And what we want to do is create a rule set that would allow for that. So it's like I've come up with an idea that my character is from the the pencil person universe, and they are pe- they are pencil people. And it's like we don't have any rules for pencil people, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you could have a table. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah. 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 So it's like it's you like you could have a table, couldn't you, or like a, a graph. 
and one axis could be like height and one could be mass yeah <laughs> and you yeah. could sort of just place yourself on that where yeah. you want to be and that would give you a couple like, of stats, a couple of stats like your strength in your decks or your yeah. your health or something yeah and so it's a playoff between well, i want to be really tall but actually if i go too bulky I'm going to get less no, depth or something. No, I do like something. that. Because then it doesn't have mm. to be like, you know, like when you do get a graph, it could be like infinite group. Yeah. It could be a grid. Yeah, it could be a grid. And then it could be like uh, like a cross. Yes. And it's like, are you oh, big and strong or yeah. big and, little. you know, dense? Yeah. Whatever those modifiers yeah. are. I'm big and little. But it's like, like Aaron Bond, for example, um, not really rolled him up with modern stats, but it's like he, I kind of like the idea that his species is robot mm-hmm. yeah, yeah so it kind of makes sense that like well he's not physically strong he should maybe be a little more durable because he mm. wouldn't True. feel pain in the same yeah. kind of way that sort of thing yeah so i'm gonna start drawing it out just okay. in my head it's great audio uh one thing I did, uh <laughs> one thing i did really like uh is i think nick you said when we were playing that <clears> if you roll zero <throat> it should be a critical fail yeah yeah and i think i said like in the new revised rule book that like regardless of the scenario if you roll just straight nothings, straight zeros, then you failed in a really bad way. And, and that's was, an opportunity for you as a GM to go hard. Yeah, and then yeah. basically, like, so many times it just says there will be a punishment as determined by the GM. Yeah. Like, something is completely... Because that's the apocalypse system, isn't it? It's basically, mm-hmm. you get you get critical fail, and it's like, I get to make a hard move against you. Yeah. And and I, I feel like that's descriptive enough. Yeah. Because that really suggests that, because that wording doesn't come up anywhere else. The GM only gets to make a hard move when it's a critical fail, and, and that really suggests that it, he can make it go as wrong as he wants it to go. But this is also where the storytelling pops in, and... and it's that balance between having strict numbers and having like the freedom to sure. kind of mess around with it if you need to. Agreed. So, I mean, going going through the rules and stuff, um, what we know, like in the last episode, we had this big debate, like, oh crap, like is passive, is your passive scout a yeah, number we, or we a roll? Kept screwing that up, didn't we? But yeah. what's weird is that originally, I'd written that it was a number. Right. And in re- in rewriting the rule book, I was like, that's bad. Sure. Because it actually makes it beneficial. To use your passive stat because you know what you're going to get, and you're never going to roll a zero. Oh, that's so true. Whereas yeah. it should be a, it should, should be, be a roll. roll. Yeah, it, yeah. I think, I think, sort of for the idea of like the 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 simple premise of the game. Yeah, it's like you roll dice and you roll this many dice. It's clearer if you're always rolling. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you see a number on a, on your on your character sheet. That means I roll that many dice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, end off. I think that's good. And this weird system which we have with the d threes and yeah. the zeros means that there's always the capacity to fail. Yeah. Like, even if you are, you know, even, like, I mean, you know, Capella is our bruiser. Even if you do have a defense of five, you can still completely, oh, you yeah. know, just chuff just it. Rolls just really, it. like, yeah. screwed up. It's a probability thing. So the other two things I wanted to bring up, uh, because I feel they're the only things which are still kind of, like, unknown quantities, because they're not really working at the moment, mm. are strategy. Sure. And inspiration. Fine. Yeah. So we've got a bit more of a promising idea for inspiration. Yeah. I feel like for strategy, if that's where we're going to start. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. I feel like the using strategy to determine order seems to be working fine. Yeah. Yes. Like initiative. And yeah. it kind of makes sense. It's like who Who's reacts more first. more strategic. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I agree that using strategy in place of an attack roll didn't quite work. Like we were never clear whether that is the attack roll or if you have to make two. You have to make a yeah, roll was, and then the attack roll. It was often, wasn't it? The, the 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 sort of idea before was that oh, I want to do something that's a bit complex. Yeah. 
that may result in damaging the opponent, but it's not just I hit him with a bat. Mm. It's I throw the bat at a bee's nest and hopefully dislodge yeah. the bee's nest, which falls on a seesaw, which lifts an anvil into the... You know. Um, I, I always and, really yeah. love the idea that there would be certain enemies that you just could not beat through standard combat. Sure. I mean, like, in fairness. Yeah. I mean, like, if it hadn't... You know, we'd have some fun story stuff there. But we couldn't have. No. We would never have hurt him. No, we even wouldn't. stabbed a, a chloride dagger into his back, and he recovered. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, so I, I and I think strategy and inspiration uh, they do kind of they're they're very related in the way they affect the world. Mm-hmm. I like the idea that because again the problem is if you have the option to say okay I'm going to fight you using my gun and the gun is regulated by dexterity. But if you have the power to say, I'm going to do something really cunning with my gun to get a better result, and that relies on strategy, mm. why would you ever not mm. use strategy? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, there has to be a trade-off where you could have a character who was really strategic, but had crap dex. strength and dex, and yeah. thus they could come up with schemes, but they weren't good at implementing them. I guess does the limit your ability to come up with a scheme in that moment? Yeah. You have to look around. And, you know, there's... if there's a chandelier, it's like, I'm going to shoot the chandelier to fall on their head. But if there's literally you're in an empty room and it's you and them and a gun. <laughs> there's an aspect here as well of like, if you were a really good strategist. Um, strategist. Strategist, sorry. <laughs> no. Strategist. <laughs> if you were a really good strategist. Sorry, I feel very stupid. Yeah, you should. Um, words aren't my thing. Aww. You know that. Um, but but your your strength and dex were low. So your actual ability to act was low, but your strategy skills were high. You would be a support character. Mm. You'd be someone who'd be like, shoot for the chandelier or something, because the bruiser hadn't thought of doing that. And so it'd be almost good if strategy had an ability to support others. Like you could roll and then apply and add that roll mm. to someone's attack roll or something like that. So do, is, is, do we make strategy like less appealing to, to be used all the time by making you have to either pass two roles or you can do the thinking but not the doing? That's, so yeah. it, you know, you can you could roll a strategy check. It's like, yes, I have come up with this amazing thing, and it's going to work. It's going to be great. But I only have a dex of two, so I'm not going to be able to do it. So, so if I roll, I'll fail the actual like attack. Yeah, yeah. But I could shout. But we have an archer my, who's got a super yeah, high dex. I could shout to my teammate, and he might be able to do the same thing. So is that? I guess the only problem with that I can already foresee is that from a storytelling perspective or at least an in-combat perspective it may not always be possible to relay that strategy Mm -hmm. believably to the other player. So if we're playing on the D&D idea of each turn is six seconds if you come up with this complex strategy involving the beehive and the seesaw and the anvil can you realistically communicate that to your shooty teammate Mm. in the context of the story? Well it wouldn't always be super complex. Yeah it wouldn't or, or it wouldn't always be a case of like having to relay it like okay. so some of this stuff might come across naturally like uh unless your character really just was not physical at all mm. or just didn't have that kind of ability like a like if you were fighting uh, some great big hulk and there was no way you could damage them mm. but you're like oh crap um but the floor the floor is weak sure. or something like that and you think you know um okay i want to take out the floor you know um i kind of imagine the DM, the GM, might then say, okay, well, tell me, describe what's happening or describe what you want to do. And then I like the idea that there have to be two checks yeah. because it slows it down, sadly. Yeah. But it, and I think this is this is the thing which we haven't quite fixed yet because it's like you roll strategy, which would determine a modifier or an outcome of the second thing. 
So if you say, I want to take my gun and shoot the chandelier, mm. the classic example, then, you know what I mean? Like, mm. it has to be, like, if you rolled the strategy and failed, then there has to be some outcome that goes, well, you've screwed up. You don't get to take the set. You don't get to take the shot. Mm. There has to be, like, you have to pass a strategy threshold, mm-hmm. which then determines what happens next in a way is there not a slight problem though that the stats are stacked against you now because having to make two rolls where everyone else for example maybe only has to make one increases the likelihood of failure yeah Yeah. i guess like you could like strength and dex and using weapons are very clearly like i'm causing damage Mm. like the outcome is i'm hurting this person so what if you add your strategy to your dex so say, oh, I want to shoot the chandelier for it to fall on their head. So I'm still using my gun, so I'd still be using dexterity. Yeah. But I'm going to add my strategy to my dex. But um, then, John's point, why would you not do that every single time? Because it break the game. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a tough, it's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And we don't have to have a concrete answer right, right now. now. We, can, we can come back to We're sort to of raising that. issues that we've discovered, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It might be like... I don't know. There could be something to the effect of, I want to shoot this person's hand to disarm them. Um, the GM goes, okay, roll strategy. Mm. And you roll, and you go, oh, and maybe there's a chart. And I look at it and go, okay, well, that is, I reckon that's a really hard thing to do. And you rolled X, and like, uh, yeah, like you, you, you did, did it. it. You succeed. Mm. And then I'm like, okay, uh, you successfully disarm him and make a roll for damage. Right. Like, and, then, and then you roll like a second attack. Or I might look at the chart and go, yeah, you totally failed. You know, you miss. And you really failed, so I'm actually going to say the shot ricochets and hits you in the head or something like that. <laughs> Disarmed you. You're, you're dead. You're dead. <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> you idiot. We're um, in the land of mirrors. <laughs> but, okay, and just another thing to bring up then. Inspiration. Sure. Now, we didn't really use inspiration because, mm. again, no. it's not quite there yet. But I've started drawing up a chart. And, again, not to nick or steal from other systems. No, it's totally what we're doing. Well, totally. But <laughs> yeah. I, I believe it Tune is. into it. I believe it is Apocalypse where you can ask questions of the GM. Yeah, that's quite a good system. I like that, yeah. And they have a really cool system where they're fixed questions. Yeah. So it's not just like, tell me what the secret is. Like, you have to say, like, <laughs> it's like, how do I save this person? How do I protect the innocent? What are the exit routes? You know, yeah. yeah, that kind of thing. So kind of toying with the idea of the moment of having, uh, based on your role outcome and difficulty checks, basically things being like, okay, good, great and excellent mm-hmm. like that's like your role outcome so like higher than a seven is excellent mm-hmm. like you've done incredibly <clears throat> same goes for difficulty as well like if something is really difficult you've got to get higher than a seven mm-hmm. sure. you know so we have those charts and they're based on the same numbers but like i'd like okay you're like oh god i can't defeat this person like they appear utterly invincible uh uh i want to roll for inspiration okay. and you roll and say like you and then depending on your role, you go, okay, I rolled a two, and I go, that's an okay roll. So you get to pick one of these three questions. Oh. And, and then like uh you go, I rolled seven. I'm like, okay, now you get to pick one of these three questions. Oh, you get a different set. Yes. Right. So the trickiness is um coming up with questions and then classifying them by how useful they are. Mm. What if you could just ask more questions from what? the same list? Okay. So then you don't have to come up with banded levels of questions yeah. which could vary massively depending on the situation you're in you know what if if you picked like the top three questions or how do I help this person but we're rolling for how to break the floor that doesn't really work mm. very well but what if you had a list of say six eight questions and the higher you roll the more questions you can ask yeah I mean that that sounds that's kind of how it works in Apocalypse isn't it like the better you roll you get to hold one hold yeah. two hold mm. three 
That's true. Yeah, well, I suppose of, that is the same, isn't it? In terms of like the only uh, question examples I've come up with, because mm-hmm. uh, again, it's easier to come up with the extremes. So it's easy to come up with like uh, a useless question yeah, yeah. and a really, really mm-hmm. good question. So I was thinking like the primary challenges that people playing RPGs seem to face are how do I defeat this person? Yep. Where do I go next? Yep. How do I solve this puzzle? Sure. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking like with those kind of themes, I was thinking like, how do we... So I feel like a really useful question, like like an excellent question could be, what have I missed? Oh, yeah. Something like that. That's good, or, yeah. Or, you know, um, and I was thinking like, if there's always... Because again, a big thing when we, we've played a couple of... Not many, I've yeah. not... Uh, but played like a couple of systems where you really didn't know what the hell you were supposed yeah. to do next. Yeah. And it's I like, think we've all been there. Yeah. And I can't seem to find any clues to work out what I should be doing. And the DM himself or herself is struggling to give you that information because yes. you're not doing Without the right thing. Without just things. outright telling you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, like, a, so one example might be like uh, a really low, like a, an okay question regarding would be like, what looks interesting? Mm. Like, where are people going? That kind of thing. And that's an opportunity. And then it might be like, and then the next one up might be, where do I think I need to be? <laughs> and then it's like. Where should, should I, I be? be? Yeah. And then it could be like, Objective. where do I need to be? Oh, like, okay. right, like that could be like the bet or what have I missed? Well, that's a I... bit different to Apocalypse then because you're, what you're creating then is a sort of like range of importance or severity of the question and the answer. So as, as, a, as a GM, you have to think about this is a where should I be compared to a where do I need to be? You have to give a slightly different answer as a result of that because it's, it's not as objective. I guess. And also, I'd like to think that regardless of the situation, every question could potentially be useful. Mm. It would uh, The answer would just require you to do a bit more legwork. So like, if this big hulking character was kind of storming towards you, and if you rolled really bad, and the inspiration says, and you go, oh, okay, um, what looks interesting? I might go, like, his eyes. <laughs> you know, there's something about his head, I don't know. Yeah. You know, or there's something about the floor. But if you rolled and goes, what's the weakness? Or like what yeah. looks like a weakness, mm. I'd say his eyes, like definitely his eyes, like full on his shoot eyes. him in the eyes, <laughs> yeah. you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> his eyes are like targets, shoot them. <laughs> Where should yeah. I be? Should be at home looking after your children. <laughs> get a, get a real Instead job. you're going out with Fanta and it's been ten years. Fanta! <laughs> <laughs> I don't even make Fanta anymore. <laughs> so something to consider. I mean, if we want to, yeah, there's some, some good thoughts to there. Questions yeah. and junk. Yeah. Um, should we level up? Yes. I think so. Yeah. I yes. think so. So we have our patented sphere grid. Yeah. We totally didn't oh, steal from Final Fantasy X. <laughs> we didn't steal it from Final Fantasy X. We didn't steal it from Final Fantasy X. We stole it right. from Final Fantasy X. Okay, oh, so for, for the listener at home, uh, each character has uh, a sheet, which is basically made up of like uh, a network of circles uh, kind of divided by lines. Yes, bands. And the idea is that... Uh, oh, yeah, so some terminology. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that when you build your character... Your class, your race, and your role, those are qualities. Okay. So you describe the qualities of your character. Mm-hmm. That's good. And when you level up, these are called perks. Okay. If, that, if everyone's yep. okay with yep, that yep, terminology. Yep, yep. Perfect sense. As you go down the sheet, the perks get better. So yep. we have different bands. Mm. And the idea is that uh, only by you can only fill a circle with a power connected. It's like you're making a tree. You thought yeah. yeah, it's a path. If you've played any video game, yeah. you yeah. completely yeah. understand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So um So you can't just jump in at a band four without completing a, no. a path a to band down. four. Yeah. 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 And I think the idea is that you can play you can assign a lower level perk to a higher level slot. Sure. But you can't do the opposite. Correct. So yeah. you are all currently in band one. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can all pick a new perk from your um 
uh, race, class, or role? Well, I know what I want. Okay, what do you want? Uh, I'm going to go for a race perk, and I'm going to take Fungal Farmer. Okay. <laughs> uh, do I describe <laughs> This means I can now <laughs> cultivate fungal gardens in the ship that will potentially provide unique powers, and I'm going to try and grow the mushrooms from the ah. uh, world. Ah, oh, nice. Cool. That's very cool. Nice. So, yeah, like that's that why I've decided to do that. So I now have a mushroom garden in my quarters on the ship. Cool. And I imagine we'll... Um, uh, we'll work that out in maybe like a more kind of story thing, but yeah, maybe like yeah. before going into a mission, you can say like, what have I been able to cultivate? Yeah. And we'll come up with maybe like a potion or a... I'm hoping to make the health potions, basically. Yeah. Um, I mean, I suppose for context, because I, I can't remember if we last... Just, and obviously we've seen the Arrowverse, but the ATAR do primarily eat uh, mushrooms. Mm. Like that is their their sort of staple crop. So that's why this is a, a race f- feature of the ATAR to learn how to cultivate mushrooms. Sure. <laughs> I like it. Cool. Um, I would like to learn hackles. Right. So this is also a race perk of, of Lynette's and it gives her heightened awareness. Uh, so it sort of gives her a moment's notice before surprise attacks. So nice, like kind of like your pre-spidey yes, sense. Yes, my spidey senses are tingling. How will we do that in-game? might just not be able to be surprised like you mm. never defend with your passive defense or something oh i, I like it, that yeah it's interesting i don't know it's interesting because i'm thinking it kind of yeah i guess like sneak attacks would be very hard yeah i like yeah i like that a lot actually and i wonder if there's maybe like a slight so you can never be dis- so so where in a battle like that happened to capella a few times in, in the last campaign where i had to roll with my passive because, because someone was, was behind you. Yeah, or I was somewhat disabled in some way or something yeah. like that. That would never happen to Lynette. I think there's times where I might say, like, if there was, like, a big brawl going mm. on, mm. it might be, like, you're already in the heat of it. Yeah. And if someone swung at you from behind, you may not be able to. Maybe. Sure. But I think, like, sneak attacks, definitely. Yeah, if it's like, peaceful and quiet and she yeah. sort of just gets mm. a feeling that something's coming up. And I reckon definitely, like, some maybe, like, some more kind of story stuff where mm. you would maybe have a kind of, like, a, a passive sense that in the same way that like Ritua you have your super eyes mm-hmm. you know and you have harmony so you mm. can kind of which will kind of make I'll try and remember all your powers so we can make <laughs> but like it might be like oh wait we're in danger something like oh something's off mm. like mm-hmm. you know we need to be careful that kind yeah. of thing cool. well mine's much more for people really harmony so it's or, or basic level of energy attunement but there's no warning aspect to harmony yeah. like I can't go <gasps> something's coming like a blast I mean it could be as simple as you say to me the hairs on the back of your hand stand up <gasps> yeah then you and could look. I don't know what's coming but, yeah. I, and, yeah. but that's an opportunity for me to say uh, I roll forwards or yeah, I jump I to the side <laughs> or I duck or yeah, I jump good. Or, you know I don't yeah, know yeah, what yeah. it is but I just know I have to do something in the next cool. like, second yeah. that's quite a good story device for you yeah, actually. I don't like that yeah. a lot, like yeah. and it might mean that I injure myself or it might mean I avoid an incoming attack I think like spidey sense as a touchstone for it is really yeah. good yeah. so you don't necessarily know what the no, attack is or where the danger is coming from but yeah. you can yeah maybe you can have a slight directional thing like it's behind me yeah you know or something. Yeah. But, but that depends I guess yeah yeah nice yeah cool yeah like, like, that, like that a lot yeah so I'm still torn but I think I've decided I'm going to go for a lamp user uh, so my class uh, perk and I'm going to go with wish kinesis okay one. So this is the ability to move a small object at a distance with a wish hand. So it's a, yeah, sort of like... Um, mage, te- hand. It's mage hand. It's yeah. mage hand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like telekinesis wow. with, a, with a golden wishy hand. And it's maybe like a natural evolution for your character. Like you've been making constructs and yeah. then to like be able to kind of send a construct out and bring, yeah. something, bring yeah. something back. Yeah. 
And I, I, uh, you can sort of tell me whether this is OP or not, but maybe like if it was maybe activating a simple mechanism as well, like pulling a switch or pressing a button or something, obviously within range would be possible yeah. as well. It's also probably whatever you could do with your own hand, hand. but further away. Yeah, like, so yeah. You can't but lift with... anything you couldn't otherwise lift. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like... Yeah. 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 No, um, I think that makes sense. And I wonder whether how we establish that range. Like uh, that's the truth. I mean, we've not we've not written down any hard and fast kind of range rules and stuff, but we can. Yeah. yeah, we can play it. I mean, knowing it's Wish Kinesis one, we've written that because we intend to be able to upgrade yeah. that later on. So you know, we can be reasonable. With yeah, that, I guess we could. We like could always one meter. We could. I think mo- it's got to be further. Than we that. could. We could do it by. Well, we could do it by range. Like it, it could almost be like. Oh, sorry, not by range. By difficulty. So if you go like, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, I want to pick that up. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I don't think you even need to roll. But if you're like, oh, the other side of the chasm, like I desperately need to lower the I want bridge, to push the hand as far as I can. I'm like, that's going to be difficult. Like I need mm-hmm. you to take that's like, great a, idea. like a will. Let's check do it or like that. Let's like do that. it. Yeah. yeah, wheel check would be really cool because it's kind of like my willpower of commanding the construct. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. That's good. Awesome. Sweet. Yeah. Okay. I might write that down just so that we remember that. Yes. And uh, some, and I will make a point to. Uh, ask you all what all your perks are at some point, so yeah. I know, so I know, like to just remember this kind of stuff. Uh, cool, cool. Uh, well, with that in mind, uh, are you happy with where your characters are going? Yeah, Anything definitely. Like that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I don't have a pencil again. Oh, I'm sorry. I will, I will, I will, oh, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're filled in your. Oh, very nice. We shall have to come up with some uh, band two powers as well. Yes, in case you wish to. Uh, Push yeah, away we, will need, we will need five band two powers for each race class and role according cool. to your sphere grid here. Well, yes. What's nice is five. that we. Oh. Yeah. What's nice is that we do have, um, uh, based on the, the perks we've kind of already come up with. Maybe uh, we've got like a flavour now for yeah. each of your qualities. So maybe like if the three of you want to give some thought as to potential things yeah. you could do in the future, mm. let me know, mm-hmm. and I'll try and. Turn we those could, into I mean, perks. I suppose you could we buy. could keep it to always three for each band, and then you just. I think actually that's quite gonna, a good idea. If you're going to fill in more of the circles, you just have yeah. to take them. From Use another, earlier yeah. ones. Yeah. yeah, I think that's fine. Three, because I, otherwise I think we're just going. It's just going to be crazy how many yeah. perks there are. Like I think, yeah, three for each. Three, three for, for each, each quality. So three mm-hmm. more. Yeah. Okay. Three more perks for each quality. Yeah. That we have. Cool. Right. Okay. We'll give that some thought. Yeah. Okay. So uh, if we're all happy with the tabley tabley kind of talk and stuff first flight nights should we do it Ed? thanks <laughs> <laughs> is it with a k or an n oh good question <laughs> both <laughs> should we do thanks <laughs> uh, should we do a crazy bit of, uh, a tiny bit of checking in with the crew yes see where so. we all are i think we should okay so after the uh somewhat uh, explosive events of uh, the court of heme uh, you now, uh, the future legend has returned to the Extraverse with a great number of refugees on board. Uh, just for artistic, li- artistic license, I'm going to say there's maybe like 50 or so uh-huh. kind of humans. Uh, and you've now spent uh, a couple of weeks uh, sailing through the Extraverse towards your destination, the convoy, mm. which is as close to a home as cuckoos ever have, as birds ever have. Uh, it is a massive conglomeration of ships, some ancient, some new, some coming, some going, that have kind of formed like a moving city through the corridors of the extraverse. It's always moving, but birds such as yourselves have ways of keeping track of it and finding your way back when you need to refuel, recharge, and just rest, basically. And you certainly are in need of some rest because Whew. the future legend is has become quite cramped. Yes, in the time uh, in these two weeks, and as much as you uh, 
you love each other and as much as uh, you feel <laughs> like on that. Yeah. as much as you feel like amazing humanitarians for rescuing all oh, these yeah. poor people uh, we feel great you you need some time or you need some space basically yeah. so the uh, how have you been spending uh, that time uh, while you've been uh, sailing towards the convoy um who I think Capella would probably have kind of got like got down with everyone you see what I mean like kind of got to know some people maybe tried to do what she could to, to help people out make people's lives a little bit easier was there an orientation powerpoint you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yes there was definitely some sort of presentation involved yeah I think Capella would actually really like like the opportunity to be a leader to a greater number of people. Like, she definitely considers herself the leader of the three of us, despite the fact that that... <laughs> hasn't that, been any consultation. Yeah. No, 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 and, and she is... A, I think all of us think we're the leader. Yeah, exactly. But this is the first time she can actually, like, really lead, because these people know nothing. And I'd just like to say that Tim Marr has actually approached each of you privately <laughs> and told you that you are the leader oh. of the group. <laughs> and he's told you all that while he can't give you an individual pay rise, he has docked the pay of the other two. Right. So just but that we shouldn't tell them. Yeah, no, and definitely do not bring this up at all because he doesn't want to create any you know imbalance in the team. Great. Right. Uh, okay. And he gives you like a little like a little uh, nod and a wink. Yeah. Like a little sprout of tree just points at you. Yeah. Like, like a little a little flower opens. There's a little green hand inside. He goes, yeah. 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 Like kind of points. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So yeah, I can imagine that she kind of took it on herself to be like the. The sort of ship counsellor. Come to me if you've got any problems. I'm, I'm happy to help. And maybe that's gone a little sort of beyond <laughs> what she was expecting. Because uh, there's a lot of people and they have a lot of needs. Um, yeah, and Aaron Wan is uh, kind of feeling like a, a little... Uh, well, he's very polite and he wouldn't say, but he is kind of like the first mate. And kind of like yeah. he does try to help people. But you've been kind of like actively like stopping them from going to Aaron One. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. And he's just kind of like pottering around trying to help as best he can. Yeah, but also he's a robot, he doesn't understand. And he's um, only got one arm at the moment. Uh, oh yeah. Did he leave that behind? It did get left behind. It got oh. thrown into the acid icing oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Um yeah, so so a bit of that and, and then I think a bit of just classic like tending to a garden of lamps to ensure that the what happened last time hopefully won't happen again. Cool. Mm-hmm. Lynette. Uh, Lynette's just been tending to all the machinery around the, the ship. Um, she's had some of the refugees ask her to help them set up. You know, oh, can you build me a bunk bed or something? <laughs> has, has, a future, has a future legend suffered any adverse effects from its time in the, in the court theme? Um, I, like the acidy atmosphere, I guess, could have um, slightly weakened some of the panels and stuff. So she's... Uh, Anything that isn't infinitum, but I would imagine could have yeah, been affected. So yeah, so she did like a, a cool spacewalk. Ooh, and, like, some bits. Nice, yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, but um, generally she's in good spirits. She's happy. Um, yeah, she. I think she's feeling a little bit cramped, perhaps. You know, but, uh, after a couple of weeks, I think it all gets a bit yeah. does, much. Does she have the advantage of being able to retreat to her uh, kind of like to the engine in a way? Yeah, like to, yeah. yeah, yeah, and uh, like being a sort of Catish person, she likes to sort of just find a, a, a quiet little tiny <laughs> hole that she can just <laughs> squeeze into. How does she do this? <laughs> That's a good. I, I don't think I'd actually uh, kind of asked, but um, 
you all have quarters mm -hmm. on because uh, um, the future legend, like most kind of standard bird ships, is maybe like equipped to house a slightly bigger crew yeah. than you currently mm -hmm. have. Like, and uh, but do you have? Does Lynette have quarters, or does she live in the engine room? She sort of lives everywhere, so <laughs> her stuff is just scattered across the ship. That's really good because she lives in the sh the ship. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is her home, so she's going to leave stuff wherever she wants to leave it. And You probably have a quarters in name only. Yes, yeah. yeah. There's a few bits in there. Sometimes she'll sleep in there, sometimes she'll just but it's sleep it's like wherever. cats just find little places to yeah. curl up. You've got loads of those yeah, all over yeah. the ship. That's really good. there's just stuff like in the middle of the floor. <laughs> I just have like some shoes. Or so just one shoe. So she's a lot like you in else. real life then. Yeah. So, so is it kind of like you, you're working on the engine and then when you get sleepy, you just kind of like lie down yeah. and then you <laughs> get up again when you're ready to carry on, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I kind of imagine like the rest of the crew, they kind of like, they kind of trust that you know what you're doing with the engine yeah. and they kind of just like, because it's such a mess. It's like, organised chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they wouldn't know what the hell to, no. to do. But she kind of likes it that way because it's her ship yeah. and she wouldn't want any other engineer to be able to come in and like work on it. So easily. what's the engine room like then? Um, it's, it's it's clean. Sure. She definitely keeps it clean. Um, and it's it's very warm. <laughs> um, yeah. It's quite a, a sort of a mess of... of pipes and things you couldn't easily walk around it but she and kind of moves and... through it because she knows every sure. pipe and where it is and i would say i kind of imagine uh just because from that one time where i built uh, a bird ship in minecraft mm -hmm. uh, the engine room is <laughs> at the bottom and rear of the ship mm -hmm. and i'd say like the uh, the defining feature on top of like the pipes and cables yeah. and everything is there's a big uh kind of glowing sphere mm -hmm. which is the you were good with the engine name that's the that's the multi-drive, is it? Yeah, that's the multi-drive. Yes, yeah. yeah. Which is uh, kind of like the core of the, the mm -hmm. ship. Yeah. And that's crystal-based. Mm -hmm. That's crystal based. Sure. Oh, yes, yeah. of course. Sorry, yeah. yeah it's, um... The sphere's at the back and external, and a bit of the sphere comes in to the through the wall that you can see. But predominantly, what, what you have access to 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 work on mm -hmm. is what looks like a huge, somewhat randomly organic crystal, mm -hmm. almost pyramid, that's got like cables and pipes all plugging into it like cool. from the, yeah. the, the then go down to the floor level where there are monitors and mm. machines mm -hmm. i only say this because i've drawn it countless times yeah, sure. in cookies, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah she she sort of can weave in and around these cables and pipes she knows them all really well where they are um and yeah she she it's not that she doesn't want other people to come in here but she doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't like it when people start touching things. It's her territory. <laughs> yeah, it's her territory. Yeah. And what's uh, have you pissed everywhere to like to <laughs> take away your territory? Sure, not <laughs> and what's uh, Jason been up to? Uh, Jason sort of sticks by her side quite a lot. Sometimes he'll be on her shoulder or rubbing around her legs. Um, sometimes he'll go in and retrieve things for her if she needs him to just sort of grab a, a wrench or if there's a pipe that needs unplugging he'll crawl in and do it for her they don't even have to like communicate but he just knows what she needs her to do um, so yeah that's she needs him to do so, um, so yeah they, no, they're pretty drunk. much uh, like uh, inseparable they just stick together nice yeah Rutua, how have you been? I imagine you're loving this. He's miserable. <laughs> he's miserable. I, I feel he's probably more or less over the last couple of weeks just retreated entirely into his quarters and it's not coming out. Um, which is probably also annoying Aaron one because I'm imagining these refugees need, need like a medic and I'm just not coming out of my room. So yeah. is, is, your, is your quarters like half living space, half lab, half med bay or are they separate? No, the med bay and the lab are definitely like other... Okay. facilities in the ship i'd say my quarters are just like sleeping facilities and now the garden that i'm kind of 
working on in the uh, corner. Mushroom gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm just not coming out. Like if, <laughs> if, 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 if Atar could grow beards, I would have like a proper grubby little beard. We don't know if they on. can. You I'm grow more sure eyes. Can, yeah, <laughs> grow I'm more sure. eyes? But around your chin like oh, a beard. Oh no, it's horrible. He probably, he probably grows little tufts of fluffy stuff like from his ears. Okay. Like, you know, Is where around the kind of, around the kind of like head flaps yeah. bits. Oh yes, um, yeah, Which yeah. normally, you know, a, a polite, well-groomed Atar would, would, tweeze off or remove some kind but uh, mm. I just don't care sure. so uh, where you're growing uh, so you are growing the mushrooms like in your yeah. living quarters yeah. yeah with like I've, I've set up like grow lights and like a I don't know how you grow mushrooms. Presumably, they need some form. They of need light. like they need a damp they need dead yeah. damp dead wood is great. So I yeah. imagine like Timbar is actually kind of able to help in some <laughs> way. So you're using Timbar's corpse. Yeah. Yeah. I like I like the idea that he could kind of like just express oh, bits Jesus. of bits of like mulch and wood for you to kind of like. But are we talking like is this like is it neat hydroponic gardens or are we talking like just Growing a big pile wall. of dirt like in the corner? No, I feel like I've or... built some sort of construct that yeah. that holds the dirt because I don't like the dirt anywhere else really. But um, it, it, inside it's allotted space. It's a it's a mess of mushrooms and stuff. But you know, they're not growing in neat rows or anything. They're growing like up bits of bark and bits of tree. And just because I know Nick is horrified by mushrooms, yeah. like what do these Ooh. mushroom? What do these wall mushrooms look like? Well, the yeah, ones just, I got just more detail. Go <laughs> the ones it. I got from uh, the Court of Heme were kind of white spheroid, like puffball type mushrooms. So that's mostly what I've got at the moment. But I'm I'm. I'm I'm probably also trying to like just I'm, grow some more mundane ones that I could actually just eat because yeah, I got I got, I got got the taste for mushrooms back after. <laughs> yeah, uh... yeah. <laughs> I'd like to imagine that uh, while your exit from the Arrowverse was maybe like a little expedient, yes, uh, you maybe had some like native like strains or spores which you were able to kind of salvage from either your clothes or your person. So maybe... I probably just traded for them. Okay, like, yeah. Up from the convoy. Like, there aren't many ATAR outside of the Arrowverse, but it, people do go there to trade for things. So there's probably... There'd definitely be, yeah. Yeah, there's, I've probably just managed to obtain a few mushrooms here and there, a few, like, strains from home. Nice, yeah. yeah. And uh, so kind of, like, on top of, like, your little uh, mushroom... Have your mushrooms reached a point where you can start experimenting on them, like in the science side of things, like extracting? No, I, I feel like it's probably still quite early days. Like, okay. um, I, you know, it probably took a little while to get the puffball mushrooms to grow in the first place, and it's only been a few weeks. So I, I yeah, I don't have, I don't have a harvest ready yet, but I'm, I'm getting there. There are definite signs of life hmm. in, the, in the corner now. Well, I kind of imagine that. Um, uh, uh, in terms of like what's been going on on the rest of the ship, uh, the refugees are, are kind of like have been in a state of awe. Huh. They've, like this is like blowing their minds. This is literally beyond their sphere of understanding. Capella loves this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how, does it, how does it make you feel? Yeah. Special. Have you also kind of like in terms of you mentioned like a PowerPoint and orientation? Have you shoved them into like the casket of of wonders, like the thing that creates? Oh like, yeah, the yeah. sand thing. <laughs> Yeah, in in an attempt to uh, educate them about like what the extraverse is, maybe she built a, a PowerPoint with Timbar's help or maybe Aaron One's help. Uh, that so it's like an educational holodeck kind of experience yeah. of like explaining like the the corridors and the extraverse and the convoy and where we're going and what what their world, how small their world is in comparison to everything else. And she took great pleasure in being the one to tell them that like everything they knew is wrong. <laughs> And there's like a near constant rotation of refugees exiting the room that the little casket wonders in just coughing up sand. Like, you know, 
have a life so knowledgeable. And, uh, I imagine it like theme park, you know, when all the little people were queuing up. And yeah. you could, they were just doing the same animation over and over again. It's like that. Uh, and uh, but but just in general, like uh, unused quarters have been turned into sleeping arrangements. Uh, they don't quite have the level of privacy that you know they would enjoy if they had a quarter to themselves. But bunks have been set up, makeshift little beds. Uh, you've been the crew have been you've been raiding your already slightly depleted reserves as best you can to share food around and everything. No one's starving. No. Everyone's great. Uh, but you wouldn't be able to do this for too much longer. Mm. Sure. Uh, Aaron Wan is doing his best to kind of like feed everyone and uh, just generally keep everything running. The refugees themselves are in fairly good health. Um, uh, aside from having lived their lives in a mostly kind of subterranean environment, they've been adjusting to the light and getting used to. Uh, they're all maybe a little pale, but <laughs> they're otherwise okay. Uh, Pete uh, has yeah. been uh, in loving the ship. <laughs> like Pete's having the time of his life, and he's been uh, hanging out. Uh, well, not with you, no. not with Ratua. <laughs> uh, he's not. He's tried to maybe have a look at the engine room, mm-hmm. but it hasn't been too successful at getting. Like maybe he like, stands in the corridor and just kind of like yeah, uh, peeks in, peeks in, yeah. peeks in, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then he's mostly been hanging out with Timbar up. On the, yeah, on the bridge and Timbar uh, who has gone quite quiet lately uh, has maybe just resigned himself to um, some of your mixed successes mm. lately because uh, mm. you weren't able to salvage any potions were you they all kind no, of no you had a sack you made me drop the sack <laughs> you monster <Yeah. laughs> I managed to force feed one to Capella and that was it was there anything left in- I didn't think the sack was fully empty I seem to remember, do you get like you one vial or something? Yeah. But they all kind of exploded. Mm. Like oh, yeah. There was a lot of explosions. Okay, well, you got some mushrooms out yeah, there. Yeah, I got so the mushrooms. We'll say, like, yeah, so yeah. stop complaining. <laughs> so uh, Pete's been spending a lot of time on the bridge uh, with Timbar, mostly in silence because both their voices are the same. And uh, just been kind of like uh, marvelling at the view of uh, the extraverse. Yeah, it's kind of weird, dome. serene beauty. And... The future legend uh, rounds the corner of a bubble universe and is greeted by the sight of the convoy. And there are several other vessels of varying shapes and sizes coming and going, some big, some small. And as um, Timbar brings the future legend down towards one of the many waiting docks, the future legend connects to the convoy. And it has these kind of uh, arms and braces which come out, some from the future legend, some from the convoy itself, which kind of mesh the ship into this greater structure. Mm-hmm. And there is an atmosphere there is an atmosphere generator uh, for, uh, around the convoy in rings, which keeps it as this little kind of um, community that you can, uh, you can walk around in without a spacesuit. And it's like a moving city, and it's cosmopolitan, and there's people from different worlds and shapes and sizes, and everyone kind of mingling in this mad chaos and occasionally like you'll see a house uh move slightly as it lowers down from the street and if you peer over the edge you can see a ship with this little house on top of it just moving away (laughs) to relocate through the structure of the convoy so you have docked and with a a hiss of much needed fresh air the, uh, <laughs> oh God. the future legend I can't imagine. we're just going to poison the entire convoy it's like... just farts at this point yeah, yeah so, as, uh, so as like the future legend uh, kind of uh, opens up uh, and you disembark with a lot of uh, wide eyed oh. uh, wide eyed refugees you just see like uh, some dock workers kind of throwing up uh, <laughs> uh, 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 they're, like, they're having like little like uh, like paddles with lights on to wave you in and now they're all just dry heaving <laughs> off the side of the, uh, the convoy <laughs> Um, 
So uh, Aaron one uh, takes it upon himself to lead the majority of the refugees uh, kind of out onto the streets and uh, such is the weird nature of the uh, the convoy. They're used to people coming and going. They're used to everyone living a kind of weird, wandering, transient lifestyle. And as the refugees pair off and, and follow Aaron, you get the sense that they'll probably be able to find yeah. a life here. Um, Pete, however, hangs back and he's like uh, so uh, I think uh, I think we can all agree that it's been a real bonding exercise for all of us these past two weeks uh, Pete's really feeling like uh, like part of a crew oh yeah Pete oh for sure mm. yeah yeah mm. yeah like, sorry, can I kick him down the <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh Pete uh uh, dodges your kick. He's like, hey, uh, Ritua, you know, he's such a such a joker, Ritua. That's what she's like. She's she. I hate you. So this is this, <laughs> this is a joke. This is like this is how she shows. She says it to us as well. Yeah, and yeah, uh, we're we're all mates. And Aaron Wan, who still he, only, sorry, Aaron, Aaron Wan, who still only has one arm, just kind of waves back. Oh yes, yes, violence is a big part of our relationship. <laughs> yeah, it's lovely, it's lovely. Uh, and uh, he hecks off. And um, uh, uh, as you're kind of like standing on the gangplank, just kind of like taking in the sights and the lights, the extraverse around you the corridors it's like a perpetual twilight here and it's kind of serene and oddly beautiful but you're now enveloped by the warm glow of the convoy uh so it always feels like nighttime here <laughs> in a strange way but it's a comforting night because the glow of the atmospheric generators and every little home and every little ship uh it's very comforting and you feel kind of a, a sense of yeah like for a little while we're home <sighs> And a little flower kind of opens on the side of a future legend. And uh, Timbar uh, speaks to you. And uh, he's recently regrown. He's grown a new larynx. Oh, this like, is he, good. He's made a new... Uh, so he now sounds quite different. Oh, <laughs> yeah, great. His voice Setting is like really, up yeah, it's very really like a wonderful voice. And it goes, um, okay. This is how he sounds. Yeah, exactly. good. Sounds like Mr. Colon. Who remembers oh, Mr. Colon? Mr. Colon. Your good friend. Yeah. yeah, and he's like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he'll be yeah he's gonna make a note of that Mr. That's how you remember. he'll be a future he goes oh god I can't remember Mr. Colon now I've really like uh, built him up yeah oh, okay. okay I'm not supposed to tell you this but he, hey, that's it yeah, yeah that's, how, that's how you get into it yes yeah. I have a very important business meeting <laughs> he goes, okay well we've made it you know despite everything and uh, you uh, okay you'll get shore leave You'll get some time to go look after yourselves and just try not to cause any trouble, please. Please. We'll do our best. For a day. That's all I ask. It's yeah. a long time. I have to see a man about some footballs which we didn't deliver. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then a second man about some potions which we also failed to deliver. We might have one. We don't, actually. I've got to say, you're, the three of you, your defining characteristic is your consistency. This is, I hired you for your consistency and I guess I have only myself to blame that uh, you have failed on two missions now in a row. We delivered lots of people and people can make footballs and potions. So. People also make a lot of noise and a lot of smells. <laughs> and uh, if you excuse me, I need to photosynthesize. That's, that's a bad example. I need to evapotranspirate or oh, something yeah. like that. You're just making up words now, Timber. Yeah, I need, I, I, need to, I need to clear out my xylem and phloem from all the filth, <laughs> which I've been quietly filtering out of the air. That's disgusting. And no one pays me. No one pays old Timbar for that. And you see, like, uh, one of the, uh, uh, one of the, uh, like, uh, dock workers comes up with a pipe. He's like, uh, hey, uh, hey, Timber, we got, a, got some, uh, got some uh, sweet nutrients for you. You want to plug us in? And he goes, yeah, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, I really do. Really do, Jeff. Uh, get out of here, the three of you. Just, just go, go. Don't cause trouble. 
Okay. You get shore leave. Go. <laughs> and uh, Pete, uh, Pete hangs back. He's like, uh, he has a different voice. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> and he's like, uh, yeah, and, uh, old uh, old Pete's gonna gonna hang back with uh, Timbar. We we got a real synergy going on here. Sure. And, you sound uh, like him. He kind of like fist bumps the flower, and uh, the flower dies. <laughs> <laughs> and the three of you are now on the street of the street of the convoy. Ooh. Nice. What are you yeah. thinking? What's going through your head? What do you want to do? It's us, the cool three, together. I walk off into the streets. Oh. So, like, isn't it great that we, the three of us, can finally spend some yeah. time together? I think he. I, uh, I, just, I just walk away. He's had, he's had a bit of a. a t- I'm talking to Lynette at this point, like being on the ship with all the. Let's give him some time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just walk off into the sort of shopping, and trading area. Yeah. And, yeah vanish. We okay. can get some food if you want. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you, uh, you kind of wander <laughs> down the street. Are you uh, just kind of looking to see what new buildings have arrived, what new houses, the ever-shifting geography? Yeah, I think um, I think because this is probably we always park here because otherwise it would be a nightmare <laughs> to knowing like, where we were. But there are some things that change, obviously, all the time, and then there are some things that we can rely on. Mm. And maybe there's some sort of kind of a la fifth element, uh, some sort of like uh, sort of street foodie, uh, teriyaki sort of place, which uh, which we can always rely on being there. So we maybe head down, maybe head down a sort of like sky bridge, and and all of these sort of little ships dock there, and you can and there's just their sides are open, kind of like food vans, and we go see if our our boy who's normally got the good kebabs, the good. <laughs> The good teriyaki kebabs. The sweet, yeah. the sweet babs. Yeah. But they're, they're from another world, and I don't know what the meat is, or whether it's meat at all. Yeah, they're called um, uh, Q-babs. So oh. it's, like, it's like a Q and then, and then babs. Are they cubes on a stick? Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> In fact, when a range... Blue cubes. <laughs> so you sit down at this little kind of like teriyaki bar, and you're served by a blue robot. Brilliant. Uh, and everything about him, his stall, and his food is cube-based. <laughs> He's come from a cube. His ship is a cube. Yeah, Yeah. and uh, he goes, "Good cube, Uh, good cube to you, my friend. Cube to see you. Cube, cube, (laughs) cube. Yeah, cube. And he serves he serves you a cubular bowl, uh, and uh, there are lots of little cubes uh, kind of floating in a. It's a square bowl, and there's lots of little cubes floating in a soup, and that's like a little appetizer. Oh, is that is it like almost miso sized, like tiny, like little cube? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Oh, I've missed this. Ah, yes. Cubes. Take a sip. Mm. Oh yeah. Mm. And as tubular. And put my hand up for a high five. Does he have arms? Uh, he he he, cubes. he, li- he he lifts a slightly smaller cube. Right. Uh, and little hatches on the cube open, and five other cubes, smaller <laughs> cubes, come out of it, and it vaguely resembles a hand. And he and he makes like a perfectly like ninety degrees like like right angle kind of little high five. Great. And then they retract, and then he just goes back to doing his cube business. So are the two of you just like enjoying the food, enjoying the sights, kind of like... Uh... Yeah, I think um, Lynette's, she's going to make her excuses. She's like, I've actually got something I need to do. Okay. I mean, yeah, uh, uh, so, so do I. Yeah. So, so, that's, so that's fine. Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's all normal stuff. It's not weird. Like, yeah. you're not, for example, not leaving me alone to, uh, without anything to do because I have thing, I also have things yeah? to do. Yes. Okay, good. I'm fine. <laughs> good. Yeah. So we will both go and do our things. Yes, Great. and not talk about them. So, oh, okay. do you, do you, do you, <laughs> how, how far through your little soup did you get? Like, did you? I'm down that soup. You've down the soup. Really yeah. Soup. Uh, Lynette, have you eaten yeah, your soup yeah, as well? Yeah. yeah. Okay. She gave a bit to Jason, but she had most of it. Nice. Yeah. And uh, you, uh, you maybe like throw uh, a few little gold coins 
onto onto the, face. Onto, his <laughs> face, onto the surface when you walk away mm-hmm. and uh, and then he just kind of like walks over picks up his circular circular hands <laughs> and just kind of stares at them intensely <laughs> and then starts kind of like whittling them into cubes <laughs> it's not going to be any use <laughs> And behind him, as he focuses on these coins, like his food catches fire. And he's like, just like furiously like shaving these coins down. You got it. And as the two of you also go your separate ways, um, unnoticed by both of you, you uh, a shadowy figure is standing in a nearby alleyway. Oh, goodness. And as he watches you leave, he steps back into the shadows and disappears from view. Mm. Rituar, what are you up to? Uh, I'm going to... I'm very boring, really. I just wanted to get some supplies. I need new stuff for my mushrooms, because mm-hmm. I now have my mushroom farm. <laughs> uh, I want to restock just basic medical supplies and such. I, I feel like that's probably my job, rather than trusting Aaron with it, because he doesn't have, like, <laughs> blood and stuff. So It's not organic. Yeah, he's, he's not, like... can't be trusted to know which of the many organic things we Well, need. actually, I'm programmed with, you know, the health patterns of over 10,000 uh, extant species. I don't care. I came through, like, li- came through like a little radio you were kind of carrying. <laughs> I take it off my belt and drop it over the edge of the uh... <laughs> You're going to need that, but whatever. Yeah. Does he go like, ah? Oh. <laughs> he somehow knows. <laughs> it's a part of him. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's his voice box. <laughs> but no, basically, okay, I don't trust Aaron to know the right stuff to buy, so that's of why I'm, I'm, I am shopping with as little interaction with actual traders as possible. Um, I don't know, we probably use a whole bunch of different currencies and credit lines and things here don't we it's probably bartering probably, yeah it? i'm probably handing over just like handfuls of random precious things from various worlds i mean i guess if you've shopped at some of these before you know what they want yeah kind of and yeah do you have like a preferred stuff. dealer or a preferred little trader that you've been to before or i probably the one who speaks to me least okay like, like, <laughs> there's there's probably one who's just like gruff and lets you just Go that, 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 and then yeah, so, finish the trade and go. So as you're walking down uh, what ostensibly is the trading district, yeah. and a lot of coming and going, a lot of moving ships, but there are like these frequent uh, recurring landmarks and these little kind of like trans-extraversal franchises which have popped up. So even when... So uh, Taco Bell. There's definitely a Taco Bell, <laughs> yeah. Um, even when like uh, one... Uh, what you see like a familiar, recognisable signs and brands on these shops. And even though as you pass, you see one with a great big bell uh, and, and uh, some interesting smells coming out of it. And it actually sinks below the street and disappears. But then another one, uh, an almost identical with a gold bell, kind of floats up as well. Uh, because when they run out of stock, they just move the building. <laughs> Uh, and you're going through like uh, you know uh, quick save and uh, you know like uh, bargain multiversal bargains and you actually you move through all these bigger uh, ones Costco. and you find um, <laughs> yeah fancy Costco and uh, you find a uh, taciturn Philip uh, <laughs> and his fa- and and that's your favourite trusted brand. He advertises himself as taciturn. Taciturn and he goes like uh, great. Uh, no dialogue, only deals, and uh, he he nogs he nogs quietly uh, as you enter the shop. And there's a bell above the door, but it's muted, so it doesn't make any noise. How many customers are in there? Just out of interest. Uh, there's one, and the room inst- the energy in the room is instantly too much, and right. he runs out the room. <laughs> So just yeah, you. this is definitely my favourite. There's just you and Taciturn Dave. Yeah. Taciturn Dave, Taciturn. Taciturn Phil. Taxidermy Dave leaves, <laughs> and Taciturn Philip, uh, who's just kind of like behind the counter, kind of uh, wrapped in like just some kind of robes, kind yeah. of barely looks up and just yeah. leaves you to your devices. I imagine he's probably not that human. 
as well. Mm. Like he's, I, I feel like maybe I have that kind of kinship with him. Of like, mm. there's a lot of human-shaped things around here, and we are less human-shaped. Yeah, you exchange the briefest of millisecond glances, which basically is like humans. Yeah, you know, yeah, right, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> And uh, somewhere in his folds, like taciturn <laughs> Philip. He's got uh, folds, okay. Yeah, he folds his fabric, but like a, oh. cu- a couple of extra arms come out and just kind of like pick up a couple of uh, cans and yeah. move them around and then like retract. I imagine back I've got in. like um, a pool list with him or something. Like, mm. you know, he, when I turn up, he knows the kind of stuff that I generally have run out of and want to want to you know get hold of. He probably knows things that I might be interested in as well, so he's probably like. I imagine he's putting stuff out on his counter. Yeah. With no speech, of course. Yeah, so, so you, you're out. standing and you're he's still sitting, yeah. but like these these arms are just kind of yeah. coming out and picking stuff up. And he's just kind of like lining your regular kind of supplies up and you're just kind of staring at him. And then you've got kind of staring silence for a minute. And then he picks one up, puts it away, and puts a different one down. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the most imperceptible nod. And you're like, hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm imagining the um boiler man from Spirited Away. Oh yes. like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, that's a, this is my transaction. I'm fine. I, I hand over like a handful of things. Um, <laughs> probably some, there's probably some gold coins in there. There's probably some like mysterious green little orbs. Mm-hmm. Um, you Standard. Know, some like a Lego keyring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like there's probably um one of those like just like a pen drive. Oh, okay. But it's lots it, of data on it. Doesn't doesn't have anything on it. But oh, okay. I got this from a place and it's cool. So mm, you might want it. want it. Yeah, we probably we probably trade in pen drives because probably loads knocking about, but they can't. Nobody can read them. So, no, true. Yeah. No one's got you. And, and, and <laughs> Aaron Wan might have <laughs> back of his head in his nose. And in among like the little objects you're kind of passing yeah. over is a tiny little green sphere. And as you put it on the table, it uh, unfolds and it's a tiny little like uh, armadillo or pangolin kind Aww. of like creature. And it just starts screaming, <laughs> like. And uh, uh, and Philip uh, just uh, picks up picks up an empty jam jar and just puts it over, and the screaming becomes incredibly muted. And the two of you just go, mm, "Yes." It's <laughs> <laughs> mm. like little nods yeah. back and forth, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, and your transaction kind of continues. Yeah, uh, kind of. I feel um, like I just sort of want to again. I'm just refilling general si- general science and medical supplies, refilling my scanner with bits and pieces. Data. Data. Yes. So do you, you got like a little sack, a little bag. Yeah. Uh, your spear, Tote always bag. present. I mean, yeah, I don't tend to go many places without my spear, and people don't seem to mind you going around armed. No, no. Convoy, so, yeah. Cool. You know, I might occasionally need to stab someone and chuck them over the side. Might need to. We all need <laughs> I mean, to sometimes. I mean, well, you more yeah, or so. The situation. <laughs> the situation may arise. Yeah. For you. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. You. Uh, you. Uh, you know. You consider. In a, in a almost as a joke, kind of waving goodbye to Tacita and Philip. You know, you think you, you both get a rise out of that, but you don't. <laughs> and instead, the two of you just like depart as silently as you arrived. I yeah. love Tacita and Philip. <laughs> New fan favourite. <laughs> I'm a cube guy. Okay, Lynette, what are you mm. up to? So Lynette is weaving her way through all the people and the stalls, and she's going back to her little quarters that she's got. Uh, so is she? Uh, does she? literally uh, own a place does she rent a place does she have like, um, some friendly people there she, to... yeah she's got um, she rents a place but it's like a friend's place so she gets a really good deal and I get <laughs> and like, no one needs to like check in on it and on, if like, you have like basis. and if you do have like this friend and like acquaintance on the convoy I'd imagine as a bird as well mm-hmm. they're often like coming and going so mm-hmm. you just have like a key and yeah. you don't always expect to see someone no exactly it's all in. pretty yeah no she doesn't <laughs> She doesn't just stand at the door and be like, oh. <laughs> I feel like she might. <laughs> Let me in. Oh. And they 
goes to the door and she just stands there. <laughs> What's the place like? Um, so it's, I mean, it's literally just like a room. It's just like a, a glorified cupboard, basically. But she's got all the, like, trinkets and things and lots of shelves. And she's filled it. It's like a little nest. Um, but big enough, it's sort of the size of this room, like a small, double, uh, small single bedroom sort of size. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's got a space to sleep. And um, in the corner, there's like this kind of like sarcophagus leaning up against the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and I'm guessing that's the most kind of like out of the ordinary object compared to everything else. Yeah, absolutely. And does it look ancient or? No, it looks like if you were to try and make something ancient out of modern uh, materials. So it's like metal. uh, It's been welded. You know, it's it's quite ornate. It's got a little window. But yeah, it's kind of it's it's. It's not beautiful, but she's tried to take some care in making it and tried to make it look nice. But really, it's a functional object. Cool. And uh, I don't think Lynette is particularly sort of... She's not really good at, like, the finishing details. Like, she'll make something and it'll work really well, but it might just look a little bit rough around the edges. <laughs> okay, so, um, again, just because I know a little bit more about this from a listener, mm-hmm. Will, this is an artefact of your home world. Yes. Well, this is something she has made. Ah. Um, you can find them on the home world, but they are ancient. But she, as an inventor, as an engineer, she um, decided to yeah reverse engineer her own because she's not on her home world. And she, they're rather big, so she couldn't bring one with her. And they're, they're rather treasured objects on her home world as well, so she wouldn't want to take one. Um, so, yes, that's why she has this weird looking one in her room okay so <laughs> plugged when... into the mains <laughs> does it make it like a, kind of like an evil like humming noise yeah as, as you approach like your little cupboard you realize that like there's a there's a note maybe from like a few months back which mm-hmm. has been since you last came here and it's from your occasional roommate slash mm-hmm. fellow tenant and uh, they're making a like, comment about like the electricity bill who's <laughs> like um you know like, i don't want to pry you know what you do in your own room is your own business so you don't have a light bulb and yet <laughs> and yet like you know the energy you're drawing is it's incredible it's more than like my toaster and i toast things all the time i come from a bread averse <laughs> I need my yeasty sustenance. So yeah, somehow you... It's a very big note. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like it's, ten posters. It's, it's written on a baguette, which is like... Just like <laughs> yeah, stapled to the door. Stapled to the door, yeah. What a rich tapestry we're weaving here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lynette doesn't even read that. She just rips it off and lays it on the floor. It starts like yeah. chewing on it. <laughs> okay, so when you... A month old baguette, you break it. <laughs> yeah. So when you get into it's your little really uh, room with a sarcophagus, mm-hmm. what do you do? So um, she sort of just chucks her bag down on the bed and Jason sort of jumps up and like curls up on there, uh, falls asleep. So then she decides to she sort of looks at him for a few seconds, make sure the door is locked so he can't run away um, the front door. Yeah. Um, and then she thinks for a few seconds, she's like, yeah, I'm going to get in. So she gets in the sarcophagus and closes the door and it's all kind of light in there. And does, and does Jason, does he want to come in? No, no, he's no? quite happy staying oh, okay. on the bed. But she did make sure that the door was locked. So, yeah. No one can come in either. Yeah, no mm. one can come in or leave. Okay. Um, yeah, and she gets into this sarcophagus. And uh, it's a bit kind of Iron Man in there. It's like a, it's a H-U-D. form-fitting sarcophagus. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, so there's like displays of like power level and, you know. And she's like flicking switches and everything. Yeah, lots yeah. of switches and things. And it kind of starts to like... Use more like energy. Hum, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then it kind of reaches a point where it just goes like instantly quiet. And all the lights go out. And she closes her eyes. 
and um, it's working and um, it's it's meant to do that. You know, she's not worried. It's not broken. It's sort of reached a point where it, it achieved what it needs to achieve. And then she was it went black and um, she starts to see or feel, but kind of interprets those feelings visually. She starts to see her home world of feline. Um, and I kind of imagine like uh, there's this moment where there's a brief sensation of like kind of falling and suddenly like your perception of the sarcophagus disappears yeah. in this darkness. And then I kind of like, I don't know how you picture it, but I'm kind of imagining you're, you're seeing, you're seeing shapes, you're seeing mm-hmm. movement, but you're not sure if you're seeing it or kind yeah. of feeling it, yeah, sensing exactly. it. Yeah. It's a bit like a dream. Like when you wake up, it's like, did I actually, was that just my brain <laughs> processing some chemicals and I interpreted that as a memory or as, you know, a visual uh, aspect so yeah she she's very much kind of feeling it more than seeing it um, but obviously for the purposes of this podcast I will just describe <laughs> what she sees um, so it sort of starts quite distant and she feels really at home she's in this deserty kind of um, city uh, lots of gold and blue and um, it's it's basically to use earth sort of reference it's ancient Egypt, but in a modern setting. So it's a modern city, but there's Sphinx and yeah. there's pyramids and there's um, lots of cat symbolism and hieroglyphs. So it's as if we're in ancient Egypt, but they imagine if the ancient Egyptians had neon signs. And yeah, modern yeah, yeah. Technology. Kind of like their culture yeah. persis- persisted for thousands more years yes. than it already did. And exactly. like all the technological revolutions had come from that world yes because your people all have this kind of psychic connection to a cat to a cat yeah so everyone has a cat familiar um that is kind of bonded with their soul so kind of his dark material style um you have everyone has a cat that they have a connection to um and so they kind of worship cats and cats and humans coexist and they work together in this kind of utopia it's quite a, a paradise you know it's like this little oasis in the middle of a desert um how how um how generally how helpful are the cats because i kind of feel like <laughs> uh, a, a joint society founded on cooperation between humans and cats mm-hmm. would have had a few setbacks over the yeah. years just because the cats would occasionally like knock the uh the steam engine we made it and just like <laughs> tip it over the edge yeah. <laughs> yeah they're not super helpful um they they can be helpful in terms of like if you had a load of stuff to carry they might put your their, your handbag in their mouth and carry your bag for you or something um and but everything's designed with cats in mind so there's like trains that have like human seats <laughs> and then behind the human seat there's like a little place for your cat to sit <laughs> um you know and you get the free metro paper but then there's also like a scratch post and like the a little... catro paper <laughs> like uh, kind of yeah. next to it yeah <laughs> so um yeah the cats can sometimes get in the way uh, sometimes on purpose, you know, if you're having a disagreement with someone, they might purposefully try and trip that person up as they're going down the stairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, kind yeah of thing. Sure. Um, but yeah, the, in general, it, they just kind of behave as cats would. But if a cat actually was obedient and did what you wanted it to do. But the people are a bit like it as well, aren't they? Yes. They're very cat-like. Yes, they are. It's it's weird. They're, they're kind of selfish as a cat is and, yeah. and a bit judgmental but it all kind of bubbles under the surface <laughs> you know on, on first glance they all work really well together everyone is quite equal it's quite a, a paradise but underneath everyone's it's looking, looking yeah, pa- yeah very passive aggressive very judgmental um, <laughs> How did they get anything done? <laughs> yeah. and but really under the surface mm-hmm. as you mentioned what's going wrong 
Yes, so the reason that Lynette uh, wanted to check in with this world is because when she left, there was something, there was a, a, a strange thing happening that no one really understood. And it was that cats were beginning to leave their human pairing. They were, in the night, people would wake up feeling this horrible ache in their hearts and they would realise that their cat had gone. Or, um, you know, you'd be walking down the street with your cat and it would just suddenly just run down an alleyway um, and it would sort of go beyond the distance that was comfortable for the person but it would just keep going and going and going and people were finding that they were being left heartbroken and it was becoming a growing epidemic almost um, but no one really knew what was causing it. And do we know where they're going? No. no they just seem to lose all trace of them. Yes. Um, so it started off just a few people but by the time Lynette left it was probably about 10% of the population had lost their cat at this point. Um, so basically, she left for the convoy in selfishness that she didn't want this to happen to her. And she was worried that it was catching or that it was something to do with the planet they were on, you know, or mm. maybe the cats were being drawn to something and if she could get away from that, then Jason wouldn't be uh, tempted to leave her. So she basically jumped on the first shuttle she could and left for the convoy. Um, but she feels horribly guilty about it. Um, and so basically, yeah, she checks in on the planet and sees that it has got worse. It's now about 25% of people have lost their cats. Um, and yeah, she's kind of torn between whether to return and risk losing Jason or whether to stay away. Maybe there's something she can do out here on the convoy or in a different universe that might find a solution to what's going on. She, she has no idea. I kind of imagine that as you are dream walking through uh, your old home city your own world and you're just as, as marvellous as the uh, uh, scenery as marvellous as the architecture are this grand towering gold pyramid mm -hmm. uh, tinged with metallic uh, neon blue stripes kind mm. of running down the side of it um, but as you kind of walk down the street almost like a ghost seeing shapes flittering in around you mm. uh, you see more and more people without a cat mm. and in this weird kind of dreamscape you've entered in uh, these people are even more indistinct like they're kind of flickering mm. like as if they're not really there yeah and you can make out um buildings which have been kind of uh set up as support places places to care for people who are losing their cats and how they're how they're kind of uh, coping with that and you realize that yeah this things are bad as you said and like the economy is struggling mm. the uh, industry is breaking down the technology which has solved so many of your people's problems is faltering and and yeah it appears to be a city on the brink of a, yeah. of a crisis because people are almost failing to function because they feel so bereft of their familiar and as you're kind of walking through all these ghostly shapes and feeling this kind of horrible these conflicting emotions like going through your, your body you get the sense that you're being watched you feel like a, a burning kind of presence on the back of your neck. And as you turn, standing down this, the far end of the street with all these ghostly shapes moving uh, around and uh, past it, is a cat. And it's a giant white cat with a long neck. And it is standing there, or sitting rather, kind of mm -hmm. in a, uh, an upright position. And its eyes glow a bright red. And you feel that this pressure... It's not just that it's seeing you, it's seeing into you and it recognises that you are 
an outsider you are odd like you shouldn't be here mm -hmm. and you feel this in kind of like this innate psychic connection that your people have to cats and perhaps even to each other and as this cat starts striding towards you purposefully uh, towering maybe like eight foot tall through this crowd you feel your connection to the world kind of uh, becoming unstable mm -hmm. and with a, a kind of gasp uh, just because the cat is about to touch you you are suddenly uh, back in the sarcophagus and I can't imagine like the door <laughs> you kind of like yeah. fall out like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, Jason kind of like comes over to you to see how you're see how you're doing she gives him a big hug a big hug <laughs> she's glad that he's still there <laughs> and how do you spend the rest of the night do you um, pretty much just pondering on what she saw just sitting on her bed with Jason on her lap just kind of thinking and yeah just toying with all these different emotions going on inside her just yeah she doesn't really feel like going out and doing anything else really and as and as the um as the night uh, grows uh, grows and uh, the lights begin to dim outside um yeah you again reminded just of that white cat walking towards you with those burning red eyes mm. and you hold Jason a little closer and you feel that fear so capella what yeah. are you doing? How are you spending your time? Um, also heading back to uh, her quarters. Um, it's sort of a little bit out of the way. It's, uh, it's maybe um, less hustle and bustle, less sort of centres of trade and stuff. But there are lots of little little shops and, and there's more sort of homes out here. It's not quite suburbia, but it's almost like places where apartment buildings and the like would be, but would just be a short five minute walk and be back in the bustle again. Um, and there's one of these, which is, uh, it is it is a stack of flats, but the bottom level is a shop and it's a video game shop, extraverse video game <laughs> shop. And uh, uh, my apartment is above this, but I need to go in through the shop in order to get access at the back to the stairs that then go up mm -hmm. upstairs. So I go through and there's there's like games from, different worlds and obviously like most of them are not compatible with each other or the same like consoles or anything but um capella has a slight interest in all of that sort of stuff but um but really it's more that she lives above it and, and that she's heading through and as you uh, as you kind of like make your way into your apartment like pushing open the door uh which i can imagine is a little messy mm -hmm. yeah uh oh definitely yeah you you're greeted this time by a bright uh, neon glow coming from the window mm. and you realize that in your absence uh, a massive kind of billboard oh. and sign has been uh, uh kind of um uh, stuck to the outside <laughs> of the building outside and as you and the glow of it is just illuminating uh, your room and as you kind of what the hell is that and as you look out through the window you see that this massive neon billboard which kind of has like a couple of like moving parts yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, the lights are alternating um <laughs> Is, is pretty garish, like, and it's it's advertising um, this amazing new uh, casino slash um, club slash uh, place of luxury, which has recently arrived on uh, the convoy and is making great waves. Like, literally has arrived, like this great yeah, big, yeah. <laughs> uh, circular <laughs> domed building has popped up. And in fact, as you look over uh, the billboard and over the building, you can see searchlights in the distance uh, coming yeah. from this big <laughs> building. Yeah, and a distant <laughs> kind of like thud. And... Um, the figure on the um, on the big neon sign is of a what looks like a young girl uh, wearing uh, ridiculously as 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 defined as the artwork of this neon light will give you wearing this ridiculously over the top dress and she it's like it's uh, 
kind of like frilly and she's got like her hair up in ponytails and she is waving a short staff with an odd kind of heart-shaped sigil on the top and the sign is referring to Sparkle Fury and her casino which apparently is the hottest night in town and uh, yeah and as she's kind of waving like these little sparks are coming out of her <laughs> her kind of little baton which uh, has like a heart on the top and little wings coming off the top of it ah, okay. and it's very garish and it's gl- yeah. like blazing right into your into your house nice okay well that's new <laughs> I guess um, not a bother I don't have to sleep here I suppose so uh, <laughs> I um, I sort of do a little bit of cursory just sort of maybe picking a few things up off the floor and putting things on the side or whatever but then I will go through to probably what was my bedroom but isn't anymore um, and when I open the door it's the lights are off but there's a lot of light coming from this box in the middle of the room uh, which looks like a sort of um, stasis pod, I guess would be the best way of describing it. It looks like it's got a glass window on the top. It's lying on its back, and there's a lot. It's it's very sort of Star Trek tech. It's very sort of smooth and modern and stylish, just metal with a few lights flashing and some light coming from it, which is illuminating the room. And there's nothing else in there, um, and there's just sort of cable snaking from that uh, to various other places. There are some boxes and sort of units around that are obviously supporting whatever's going on inside it as well. Um, and Capella just walks up to it and just puts her hand on the top and uh, she sort of looks through the glass and it's a little bit fogged up but you can see that there is in fact a person in there and I like to imagine that as you kind of put your hand on the technology just for a second there is a brief uh, glow of wish energy Mm. within your hand just kind of almost like completely unbidden just interacting with the tech and just for a second like these little uh, golden uh, beams of light kind of trace uh, like circuit lines yeah almost, like, like tracing like, through like, the circuit yeah, yeah yeah just sort of almost just to, just to sort of give it a, a boost and, a, and a, a sort of reassuring push I guess kind of thing and uh, and then she'll just sort of say under her breath like uh, it's okay sis I'm gonna find out what's wrong and as the light uh, these little glows uh, kind of move across the surface of the stasis pod we see uh, inside um, uh, the body of a human, uh, a human woman with a striking similarity to Capella, and it is your sister. And yes, she appears to be <laughs> dead or as near to dead Very as unwell. could be imagined. Mm. And do you spend the rest of the evening kind of? Yeah, I think there's a there's a probably like a little almost collapsible chair there, and and maybe the only interest that Capella has of the video game shop downstairs is a way to do something to sit by her side so she just sits down and she fires up one of the little handheld consoles that she's got in a little pile next to her and just wants to spend the rest of the night awake with her but not doing I kind of imagine like with your weird like uh, drug metabolism that sleep doesn't always come at the right time so uh, in this kind of weird half lived in half temporary apartment you have with this neon light coming in and just the gentle kind of beep and whir of this little console uh, we leave and the night pangs on. So the three of you have each spent a night in your own in your own ways. I guess uh, Ritura, I guess we didn't really establish where you went after Taciturn Pete, I, but I, I guess you I live on of... the ship. Feel like, yeah, I don't think <laughs> I have. Different every time. <laughs> <laughs> I think I don't think I have anywhere on the convoy. Okay. Like, I think that would be he, he, Ritura kind of doesn't want to really admit that he is a cuckoo. <laughs> like, he's kind of like he, I think he's constantly trying to pretend that this is some sort of temporary aberration that uh, will just go away eventually. If you believe so, that, um, so he probably goes back to the ship and back to his quarters. 
and like hides in there for the night. Okay, well, Rixua, as you um, as you return uh, to uh, the ship, you find that um, it is empty, as you would expect, and there is uh, Aaron One is presumably still out doing doing whatever. Uh, Timbar is resting, or perhaps as best a ship, uh, best a living ship can, and uh, you just kind of let yourself in. And as you enter the ship, and you're you're kind of uh, quite glad to see that it is quiet and mm-hmm. empty once more. Maybe it's a little dirty still. Uh, and you head towards your quarters, and as you uh, try to uh, press the uh, the little entry pad to open the door, you realize that it isn't working, and uh, it's just it's beeping, but nothing's happening. And you think, oh, this is maybe like a little a little curious, and then. Before you can really think anything else, there's only blackness, and that's the last thing you remember. Okay. Who should I have stabbed this time? Capella, Lynette, you return. Uh, time is maybe a little oddly defined. The lights are set to cycles to simulate day and night, even though we just have that perpetual darkness in the background. But time has passed, and you'll surely this come to an end. And the two of you, plus Jason, return to the future legend um, the following morning or as near to early dawn as this place has and as you enter the ship uh, you again you kind of each kind of feel like oh it's kind of nice that it's quiet again Mm. this is kind of cool and Aaron One is uh, standing uh, in in the in the cargo hold a short distance away with his back to you Mm. and uh, he turns as you enter and he goes I, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I, I tried, and, and suddenly, um, uh, you realise how dark the cargo hold is, and the the lights going to appear to be working, and you see, in the darkness, a patch of even greater darkness, a patch of maybe absolute darkness, closing around Aaron Wong's chest, and he's lifted off the ground before you can react, and chucked backwards. Uh, towards uh, the rear end of the cargo uh, cargo bay where he kind of collides with the wall and you see this shape moving towards you and it's almost hard to see because of how dark it is and you realise it's a humanoid figure standing maybe eight, nine foot tall and is muscular is hulking with muscles and you can really only see him by the shape he leaves in the darkness because his skin is utterly jet black, utterly to the point where it is a void. There is no light where his body would be. And as he, as your eyes adjust, you realise that he's wearing white trousers, as odd as that seems. And suddenly, you, as you see more and more of him, you realise that he is like a, a living void, this immensely muscled shape. And his eyes, though are white and his teeth which are visible against the darkness of his skin are contorted into an evil wicked grin and as this figure is striding towards you kind of growling you hear another voice behind you he goes now 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 mr no there's no need for violence this is after all just a business discussion between partners in what promises to be a very lucrative enterprise and as you turn, there is another figure standing on the gangplank behind you. And this figure is human-sized and wearing a suit. But every patch of bare skin where his hands or face would be are wrapped in bandages. And he has a mask 
covering his face. Uh, a mask with no features whatsoever. It's just a plate across his face. <laughs> and there is, you realise, a small lock and key to the side of the mask. And at his feet is Ritua, <laughs> unconscious. And he goes, my name is Miska Yes. And I have a proposition for you.